Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Pokescast, a production of the Casper Star Tribune and Pokes Authority. I am Davis Potter, a Wyoming beat writer for the Star Tribune, and I'm joined by our managing editor, Brandon Foster. Brandon, um, how are you guys uh, handling Snowmageddon up there? Yeah, it's uh, it's really something. <laughs> it's uh, going to be pretty pretty wet around here, I think, for the next week, because it's already pretty uh, pretty warm and it's melting away pretty quickly so i know we needed the the moisture but um yeah i mean welcome to wyoming i guess every <laughs> every year we seem to get a huge uh spring snowstorm just usually yeah. not quite this huge yeah well i don't know if anybody needs this much moisture <laughs> uh do you guys still have like mountains of snow up there yeah there's on the, on the ground my car is one of them <laughs> um i need to clean <laughs> oh. it off but uh yeah it's it's uh melting away pretty quickly quickly but yeah there's plenty of you know giant mounds that have been plowed um into one another so yeah it's uh it's pretty wild (laughs) yeah uh well before we get into this podcast i just first want to say that uh or give a big thank you to uh, the people here in laramie i don't know what it's been like up there in casper brandon but it's people here in laramie that have gone around with uh in their trucks with snow shovels and and, and been on their snow plows and helping clear off some of the roads and sidewalks uh so that people can i guess have some semblance of normal life here with being Mm -hmm. buried under three or four feet of snow but uh yeah they deserve a a big uh tip of the cap because i was actually one of them sort of kind of because the other day (laughs) i think i think it was monday i made the mistake of trying to uh to run to the grocery store and I actually got my car stuck in the, in the parking lot here where I live. And, uh, I was very fortunate that, uh, there was a couple guys that came by in a truck with a snow shovel and, and, uh, helped me dig out of that. And so luckily that that's, I know some people have had it worse than that. Uh, but yeah, definitely deserve a big shout out to, to those people. Cause they're, uh, they're doing the Lord's work this week. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's odd around town. I haven't really, driven around town much but the main streets here are pretty much all the way clear it's just the the side roads in casper that are are uh pretty mucky still but yeah i had actually kind of a weird uh experience with the whole thing because uh me and a couple friends went uh actually upstate a little bit to ski last weekend and we were hoping that the highway down south into casper would remain open and then casper got like 26 inches as opposed to the like <laughs> yeah. one foot fo- forecast so but yeah we we were able to get back in on uh monday and there it was very weird there was like almost no snow north of casper and very little snow west of mm-hmm. casper we were just kind of in a corner so yeah like up up in sheridan and buffalo there was you wouldn't have known that uh the apocalypse was going on elsewhere, so yeah, weird how that all works. <laughs> well, I uh, I learned my lesson the hard way because that, that was the only time I drove for uh, like from Sunday to, to Tuesday. But um, yeah, luckily I just got stuck in the parking lot before I got on the road. Uh, but um, Brandon, let's go ahead and jump into this because uh, this it. is a going to be a very basketball heavy podcast. Um, oh yeah, and if you have not heard, uh, Wyoming has an NCAA tournament team this year. Uh, with the women's team um, making history by winning the first Mountain West Tournament Championship in school history. So they are in the automatic bid to the NCAA Tournament and will be playing early next week down in San Antonio. Um, the men wrapped up their season 
And then the men's uh, NCAA tournament will uh, start on Thursday. And we'll uh, we'll talk about that a little bit, preview that uh, in the second segment. Uh, Brandon, the, the only football-related item that, I, that we'll mention and talk about today is uh, we recently obtained copies of all the uh, employment contracts for Wyoming's football coaches. Um, and so if you guys want to see what – Wyoming's uh, coaching staff is going to be paid this year um, and how that compares to uh, some recent years and how it stacks up as far as uh, what other coaching staffs in the Mountain West are making. We've got a story up at trib.com and postauthority.com, but uh, Brandon Craig Bowl is now the highest paid head coach in the Mountain West now that Brian Harson is off to Auburn. Yeah, I saw that and was briefly taken aback. Um, <laughs> but I guess it's one of those deals where, like, yeah, once Harson's gone – uh, it's it's surprising at first glance, but then it, you start to think, okay, who else would it be? Um, and I don't know, there aren't other names, you know, with some of the turnover that there's been in recent years that jump out to me as like, oh, I can't, I'm shocked. Bull is getting paid more than, um, you know, so-and-so. So, I mean, time flies, I guess. And at this point, he's a well-established, fairly long-tenured Mountain West coach, which is weird to think. Yeah, uh, entering his eighth year now, which is which is crazy to think about. But I'm sure we'll uh, we'll dive into that topic uh, on a future podcast. I'm sure, and maybe how that um, you know making that kind of money relates to what the expectations should be at Wyoming going forward. But uh, Brandon, let's uh, talk hoops. And uh, how about those uh, how about those cowgirls? Yeah, I uh, what what is there to say other than how about those cowgirls? <laughs> I mean, what a cool way to uh win a championship getting that block at the end there um i i know everyone constantly complains about the last minute of a basketball game taking forever but it felt like that one really took forever um i was yeah plugged into the radio because i don't have fortunately uh, access to cbs sports brandon Brandon, that would that wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that that game started at like 10 o'clock that night would it um yeah, I mean, that didn't help, but yeah, no. I, I If it would have just been on the Mountain West, you know, stream, which I know is uh, not everyone's favorite, I actually would have watched it as opposed to listening. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, it was just killing me in that last minute. It was like, okay, just just end it already, and then it finally <laughs> yeah. did. Uh, but I mean, great, great for them. Um, it's been a long time coming. They've been a team, you know, obviously they made it, uh, what, two years ago and, and fell just short. They also fell yeah. just short that year of, of the reg- regular season title. Um, you know, obviously, at least as they're currently situated, they're going to need to win the tournament to get into the uh, NCAA tournament. That's just kind of, you know, they're not putting quite the resume up where they're going to get an at-large bid. So it's it's very cool to see them punch that ticket again, um, you know, second time in in program history and, and, um, you know, good for, uh, coach Mattinson getting there, you know, so early in his tenure as a head coach, albeit, you know, he's, he's been on that bench for a while. Yeah. And it's not just the fact that they won it. It's how they won it. That was so yeah. impressive, at least to me. Um, cause again, this was, they were, they went into the tournament as a seven seed. So they're the lowest seed ever to win the mountain West tournament. And look, Wyoming's always played good. Even going back to, you know, Joe Ligurski's tenure, I mean, Wyoming's, women's basketball program has always really been known for its defense and mm-hmm. that really didn't change this this season but I mean they, they took it to another level uh in the Mountain West tournament I mean held teams to less than 48 points a game and teams to 31 percent shooting 
uh, in that tournament. So it was an impressive display on the, on the defensive end, and, and they were a little better offensively um, than, than they've been during the regular season. And, you know, you put those thing, two mm-hmm. things together, and Gerald Madison actually talked about it earlier this week, that they've sort of been waiting on the offense to come around and catch up with the defense. And, you know, they put it together to win a tournament with four wins in four days. And, again, coming off a 22-day layoff, because of, you know, COVID-related issues and other programs that, you know, ended up canceling those games. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, to come into that tournament, you know, quote-unquote cold, I mean, I know they had been practicing uh, for the most part to, you know, stay game ready. But still, it's it's hard to simulate what you're going to see against any opponent, regardless of the amount of time in between games, let alone more than three weeks. And for them to come into that tournament and do what they did off that kind of layoff uh, – just made it more that, that more impressive, and I think probably more special for that team, um, just sort of the, with the circumstances surrounding this season and, and being able to do it despite those circumstances. Yeah, and I, I believe they allowed just two points in that second quarter, is that right, defensively to, uh, to Fresno State? I mean, there's yeah. uh, so many cool angles to this. Um, and I know, you know, it's, it's slightly tiny bit bittersweet, you know, that, that fans couldn't be out there, or, you know, the, Pokes fans love to tra- travel to Vegas for the tournament, but right. um, you know, even even so, I mean, this is such a Cinderella story. It's gonna uh, really go down in, in cowgirl history as one of the most memorable moments in that program. I mean, everyone you know has a lot of love for the 2007 team that that won the WNIT, and that was I wasn't here, but you know, very very cool. And, and you hear so much about how. Special was that that was for them to be able to win that tournament uh, in the Dome of Doom. But man, this is this got to be up there winning as the seventh seed. Yeah, absolutely. And and you alluded Fresno State. Um, yeah, that was the team that Wyoming beat in the Mountain West Championship game to to win the tournament. And uh, that was the top scoring offense in the Mountain West. And you know to hold them to what fifty six points or whatever it was in the championship game. I mean, again just speaks to just how, how dominant they were in the defensive end for that entire tournament, just how, how complete um, of a team that they turned into, uh, you know, in, in that for that week in Vegas. And obviously they're carrying that momentum into the NCAA tournament where uh, it was announced earlier this week that they will be a 14 seed and will face UCLA, which is the three seed um, in their region. Uh, usually, you know, it's uh, Midwest, West, East, and South regions. But, you know, with them, I guess, centralizing the tournament down in San Antonio, they changed up the name of the regions this year. So they're, like, playing in the Hemis something region. I can't even remember what it is now, but it was – I was <laughs> like – I don't even know what that means. But Hemisphere. Yeah, Hemisphere. Whatever that means. If somebody knows what that means um, – I'll Google it. Yeah. <laughs> I assumed it was a brand. I have no now idea. Now that we're naming conferences everywhere. Yeah. But – um. Uh, it's an iconic park housing tower of the Americas in San Antonio. Okay, there you go. So, welcome to the Pokes Cast, where we will read Google <laughs> yeah. to you. You'll learn something new every day. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, obviously a, a much bigger challenge going in as, once again, probably even a more uh, more heavy underdog than, uh, than they were in the Mountain West tournament. Um, UCLA is... Uh, they finished third in the Pac-12 during the regular season, where the Pac-12 tournament runner-ups. Um, that's going to be a, a big task for uh, for Wyoming. But you know, regardless of what happens this week, um, you know, even if their season ends up 
uh, ending, I guess, on Monday night, which is when that game is scheduled to be played. Um, it's scheduled to start at 8 o'clock Mountain Time and be televised on ESPN, by the way. But, um, you know, what, regardless of what else happens the rest of this year, they get national exposure for that program because, you know, as is – the case, for, you know, every year just about. Uh, yeah. Only one team from the Mountain West goes to the uh, NCAA tournament, particularly on the women's side, and uh, this year it's Wyoming. Yep. Yeah, and I, um, you know, I, I know Wyoming fans get a little bit of hope maybe when they see UCLA as the uh, uh, the big name they got to take down just going back to, not that this has anything to do with the game, but the 2004 uh, Las Vegas Bowl, the folks took down the Bruins, and that's yeah. – uh, a fond memory. So, Hey, I mean, there's, you, you take what you can get as far as good karma. And, you know, I, I might be, uh, speaking out of place here, but my understanding loosely is that there's a little bit less, uh, parity in, in women's basketball from the top to the bottom, maybe compared to, to men's college hoops. And, and that makes it maybe even tougher to pull off these, you know, upsets of a, of a three fourteen variety, but Hey, I mean, defense travels, right? That's what they say. And, uh, yeah. Um, if they can keep the offensive, uh, progressions that they've made, shoot, shoot hot, you know, like they did, uh, at times in the tournament. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I imagine it's going to be tricky to be quite as smothering on defense against a PAC 12 team, but, um, Hey, you know, it, it's March as, as, uh, Mr. Rothstein, Rothstein says, right. <laughs> Yeah, D- does he say that? I haven't noticed. I don't. <laughs> I, I hear he does. I don't. Yeah, um, but you mentioned uh, you know get, getting hot shooting the ball. Um, Quinn Wideman was uh, named tournament MVP down in Las Vegas, and uh, well deserved. I mean, she she knocked down some huge shots for Wyoming uh, throughout the tournament. Anytime a team would make a run and 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 you know threaten to take the lead or you know, and, and get within a possession or two man it always seemed like she came up with a clutch three or a or a, or a huge bucket for them um regardless of where it was on the floor and uh, yeah they'll definitely need to uh to keep that up as they hope to pull off uh their what would be their biggest upset of the year on monday mm-hmm. and keep their tournament run going which by the way, uh, the winner of the Wyoming UCLA game would beat the winner of Texas Bradley game in the second round, which that game would be on Wednesday. Um, but that's kind of putting the cart before the horse here. There's obviously business for Wyoming to take care of before then. Um, mm-hmm. Brandon, let's go ahead and uh, switch gears to uh, to the men's team because uh, their season is now over after they put up a valiant effort in the Mountain West tournament. Um, winning their first game and then nearly pulling off an upset of their own uh, in the second round against uh, San Diego State, which was obviously the regular season champion, tournament champion, and now they are a sixth seed in the NCAA tournament. But, uh, Brandon, what was your takeaway maybe from how Wyoming performed down in Vegas? Yeah, I I mean, obviously, first off, just really impressive. I think, you know, when we were talking about expectations going in, we kind of said, you know, uh, it seems pretty straightforward. At least you got to win that first game, or, or you'd like to win that first game as, as sort of a building block. If if you can't get by San Diego State, it's not the end of the world because they're you know as you said the all around champs. But you know they played so well in that first game, just scoring nonstop, just shooting lights out. I believe it was 111 points against San Jose State. I feel like they correct. they almost uh, ruined that uh, framework. Or, you know, all of a sudden I was like, ah, screw it. Beat San Diego State, too, if you can't miss. <laughs> and, I mean, right. they came they came dang close. So, 
it almost uh, is a, a little bit more of a disappointing outcome than you ever could have expected going in to 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 play that well, just because it's like, wow, they actually uh, uh, look like they were poised to go on a run if they could get by the the Aztecs. So, I mean, yeah, definitely a ton of credit to them coming out and playing the way they did. In that first game, beating a team, you know, you should beat in a team that was coming off a long layoff. Um, although, apparently, that uh, can be a good thing on, on the women's side. But, uh, yeah, I, I think um, they there's a lot of promise and a lot to build off of. And for Linder's team to come out like it did in his first, you know, head coach, uh, his first Mountain West tournament game as a head coach, um, that that's, uh, I mean, it's a pretty big contrast to the the last uh debut they had from a head coach in the tournament game and you know not to to harp on past failures too much but you know the um 20 uh, shoot I'm going to screw this up 2016 team came out in 2016 17 that's what it was came out and fell behind 25 nothing in their first game to a team they had already beaten pretty easily earlier in the year so as far as setting the tone goes this is <laughs> night and day compared to that and you know that's uh, you. It's hard not to be optimistic about where this team's headed. Yeah, no, that's just what I was gonna say. Uh, piggybacking off of you know what you just said is, um, you know, if you're a Wyoming basketball fan, I don't know how you would feel anything other than extremely giddy moving forward, considering what this team did this year. Um, you know, one of the youngest rosters in Division One basketball goes and wins 14 games, nearly matching their win total from the previous two seasons combined. You know, you win seven conference games during the regular season, uh, which is, I think, more than they had combined for the previous two years. I mean, you just saw real progress in in what this program is doing. And I think not only from uh, a player's perspective, but also the coaching. I think you saw a drastic improvement over the course of the season because, you know, we talked about the way they ended it, right? I mean, winning four of your last six games, then going into that Mountain West tournament opener against uh, San Jose State and just bludgeoning the Spartans. I mean, you mentioned 111 points. That's the, that set a Mountain West tournament record for points in regulation. And then the, the game plan that Jeff Linder came up with against San Diego State, a team that had beaten them in the regular season by a combined 60 points almost. Uh, to, to turn around on short notice and come up with a game plan and come up with a style and implement a style, I should say, that's completely mm-hmm. different from the way you like to play. Uh, you know, this anybody that knows this team and has followed uh, this team and Jeff Linder at Wyoming, and even what he did at Northern Colorado, and even as the offensive coordinator as, at Boise State as Leon Rice's assistant for those six seasons – um, you know, this is a team that they love to shoot threes. They love to get up and down. They love to push the tempo. And they grinded it to a halt uh, in that rematch with San Diego State in the Mount West tournament. I mean, literally they were bringing – I mean, they looked like what Wyoming's offense looked like under Allen Edwards in his last year where they would bring it down and Marcus Williams or whoever's bringing the ball at the floor would get to the top of the key and just hold the ball and milk the shot clock and then get into their set, whatever they were going to run – with about 12, 10 seconds on the shot clock and, you know, basically cut the game in half. And because they, they knew going into that game, they could not uh, run with San Diego State because that's what San Diego State likes to do too. And San Diego State's a lot better than Wyoming is at this point. 
I mean, I, that's not a secret to anybody. And it showed it during their two-game series in San Diego during the regular season. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. So they had to try something else. And you knew if you were going to play that style, uh, you, you had to be efficient on the offensive end because you weren't going to get nearly as many possessions as you're used to getting. They did that. I mean, they shot – uh, you know, nearly 45% from the field, shot nearly 50% from three, knocked down 12 three-pointers. Um, they did everything that they had to do to give themselves a chance. Uh, they just needed one more shot at the end. Uh, the unfortunate thing for Wyoming is they were playing a really good defensive team, obviously, in San Diego State. I think they missed five of their last six shots from the field, including their last four. Um, you know, I mean, they were right there to do it, and – you know, it, it gives you a lot of momentum, uh, you know, despite the – I mean, forget the fact that they lost. Just the way that they that they played and improved, even defensively, uh, over the last, you know, month of the season, uh, I, I don't think that's insignificant considering the fact that, you you know, you have a first-year coach who's trying to build something and, and get this program back to being a contender in the Mountain West. Yeah, I mean, I think all told, you know, men's and women's uh... – I know you mentioned they were they were one shot away, but it's hard to come away expecting much more than you got from that tournament from Wyoming as a whole. I mean, right. just really great, great uh, performances on both sides. And, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, especially um, in that San Jose State game, you know, it's kind of crazy that the narrative during that game, besides just uh, the fact that Wyoming, as, as, as you pointed out, as we told them they should, uh, just decided not to miss any shots. Um <laughs> but besides that, the big narrative was uh, Graham E.K. Uh, just having this, you know, giant game. Um, and, yeah. you know, the, there's the the announcers and everyone talking about, wow, Wyoming has just this absolute monster of a freshman who it appears to be a steal that they found in recruiting is going to be a building block and, and, and you know, cornerstone, it, it looks like, for this program for the next, you know, maybe three or four years. And it's it's insane that that was the narrative of that game and it wasn't even in reference to the mountain west freshman of the year who you just wrote the same type of story about a week before of hey this is a a steal wyoming got in recruiting how did they find this guy you know he's he's a stud it looks like he's going to be a star in this in this league for years to come so like now that it looks like they have two of those guys to build with they're both build on they're both freshmen um that's that's really exciting for the future i mean i know you know College sports, especially basketball, can be a very volatile uh, sport as far as uh, roster changes and everything like that. But um, you know, it's it's uh, it's looking like a program on an upward trajectory right now. Yeah, well, Brandon, you just stole all my uh, next talking points. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bam. Um, but no, I, I think that, and I think it's also important to remember too that we talked about how how young this team is. It's not necessarily just about the freshmen. I mean, this this whole team, you know, you don't have one senior on the roster. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to bring everybody back barring <laughs> transfers. And, yes, you could sit there and say every other team in the country is going to bring their entire team back too because of the NCAA granting the eligibility relief and all players getting a, another year of eligibility if they choose to do it. But that's the, that's the biggest difference between Wyoming and every other team. Just about every other team has seniors that – may or may not come back because they've already been in the program four or five years. They're ready, whether it be professional basketball or just getting started in their careers after college, they may decide to move on. Um, Wyoming doesn't have any of those guys. 
So, I mean, again, there's always a chance someone could leave. But if nobody transfers out, Wyoming is going to for sure have every single person back uh, and every single uh, significant contributor returning. So I, I think, yes, that's that, that's something else to, to keep in mind. And then you mentioned Graham Ike. I mean, he changes the entire dynamic of this team because it's, it's one thing to be able to spread the floor and have a bunch of shooters mm-hmm. – but if you're big in the middle, doesn't require attention. You know, people, the team, other teams don't have to worry about defending him. You know, it, it becomes easier for defenses to extend their defense or even trap on the perimeter and try to disrupt what you want to do as a perimeter-oriented team. Now you have a big like Graham Ike, who not only is going to require at least one defender, I mean, he, he's on a trajectory where he continues to progress – continues to develop his body and and make you know the, the strides that you would expect young players to make from year one to year two and, and so forth. I mean, he's a guy that at least has a look of someone who might require double teams in the future. And, you know, that that's going to open up everything that they want to do on the offensive end and make them so much more difficult to defend because now you have to choose, right? Teams are going to have to choose, you know, do we want to play – Graham Ike one-on-one in the post? Or is Graham Ike going to get to a point where other teams say, we have to start double-teaming this guy, and then you're leaving the defense to rotate on the perimeter, right? And basically you're playing four-on-three at that point. So I don't think that uh, evolution during the season of, of what Graham Ike became once he was cleared and started playing, I don't think I don't think that can be overemphasized as to how much he, he changes, the, changes the dynamic of what Wyoming wants to do going forward. Yeah, and it's it's so impressive to see. Um, I mean, obviously, any freshman put up thirty two points uh, in a in a tournament game, but I think it's even more impressive to see it from a post player. Um, you know, just kind of from my experience covering college basketball, it, that feels like a position offensively that a lot of college players need time to grow into. I mean, there's a lot of a, a lot of it comes down to you know footwork and fundamentals and getting those post moves under your belt. Um, and I'm not saying he was out there, you know, uh, you know, putting up Tim Duncan moves on guys, but you know, he, for like, not, not to undermine if it were to happen, but you know, for a guard to just get really hot shooting and put up 32 points cause they hit six threes is one thing. I mean, he was just constantly dominant in the paint and yeah. he's, like you said, he's only going to get, um, stronger over time and become even more of a post presence. Um, especially on the defensive end will be something they need. And, um, but yeah, I mean, just to see him do that at, at such a young age, you just wonder what, what he can grow into. Um, he's what, six foot nine. Is that right? Um, yeah. you know, that's, that's already about 240, 245 pounds. So. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, it's hard to look at, <laughs> look at that game that he had. I mean, you know, maybe it was a, a good matchup with the Spartans or, or whatever it may be, but um, it's not. It's hard not to look at that and be uh, thinking that other bigger teams are like, wait, how do we how do we miss on this guy? Yeah, and you know we've for the most part this season it's been well, the opposing team always has the advantage in the front court, right? Uh, you know, before Grand Mike burst on the scene, because Wyoming was basically a five out team, you yeah. know, with, with Hunter, Hunter Thompson when he was starting there at the five. Um, you know, that's, that's what they were. And I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to say that Wyoming doesn't have the advantage in the front court. Um, you know, just with, 
with Graham and what he's able to do. And, um, you know, and, you know, you have him and then obviously the, you know, the, the young shooters that they have, I mean, Xavier Ducell, I mean, he was just as hot as anyone <laughs> for Wyoming at the end of the year. I mean, shot right at 45% for the season from three, um, you know, d- depending on who all comes back in the mountain West, he's, he's going to be in the mix as one of one of, if not the best shooter in the mountain West next season. Um, and then, with with Graham, uh, you know, given that he stays healthy, um, I don't think it's a stretch to say that we might be talking about him as one of the two or three best yeah. bigs in the league uh, come come the end of next season. Yeah, and that's that's <laughs> crazy to be saying right now. You know, considering how how much like you mentioned the the post was a liability for this team, especially on defense for much of the year. So, I mean, I know obviously they need to to take steps forward defensively, but um, already sort of the depth that this team has as far as different ways they can beat you. And, um, you know, th- th- it doesn't look like there's all that many glaring holes on on this team the way it's constructed right now um, besides just, you know, upping its defensive game. But the more that EK can factor into that, the more, you know, they're going to be able to shut t- teams down on defense. Yeah, no, and he definitely – factors into that and, and I mean you, you mentioned that the defense needing to improve that's obviously got to be the focus this offseason going into next season and and Graham's part of that uh you know they're as, as good as he was offensively at times he fouled a lot and, and stayed in foul trouble pretty frequently in the games that he did play so that that's something he, he's got to clean up you know as, as this team tries to uh you know make make the strides that it needs to on the defensive end and, and it has to you know and, and Jeff Linder's made no bones about that um, this season, and they should. I mean, it's it, you again. You expect with, with such a this core being so young, uh, with, with these freshmen and even some of these sophomores with Quan Marble and Kenny Foster, you would expect them to take a significant jump in their development from from year one to year two, and even year two to year three for for some of the the sophomores. And then you're going to have, um, you know, those those seasoned. Guys with Hunter Maldonado and Hunter Thompson that that you need on any on any winning team because uh, um, you know particularly late in the season and in March uh, you know senior laden teams win I mean teams that have been there and and they've done that uh, you know they they usually fare better than uh, than the younger teams and mm-hmm. you know I don't I think you saw that firsthand with Wyoming this year uh, Brandon and and how it uh, you know just sort of went through this season and, you know, had its bumps in the road, but ultimately uh, finished strong. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, a bright future ahead for this program. I'm excited to see where they I, – I wonder where they'll get, you know, projected next year as far as preseason rankings, but obviously just um, it'll be fun to, to see them come out and play uh, hopefully in front of uh, full crowds and everything like that again. It'll be, um, I think, a, a refreshing return to – a full uh, dome of doom whenever that does happen compared to um, kind of where things were left off. Yeah, that, that's one of the things I'm sort of looking forward to to next season is, uh, you know, assuming that things are back to normal and Wyoming's allowed to have fans uh, at full capacity next year. You know, my first two years on, on the beat uh, weren't very good in terms of <laughs> of attendance with, uh, with how bad Wyoming was, you know, and just in terms of their win-loss record. I mean, yeah, I think the most that I've seen uh, at, at the Arena Auditorium since I've been on this beat is three or four thousand people. And mm-hmm. but going into next year, uh, if again if they're allowed to have full capacity um, with 
you know, the way that they, what they did this season and the way they ended it, uh, I would expect that that place to be rocking uh, next season. And I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Wyoming is is chosen. I mean, they finished eighth this year. I wouldn't be surprised if they're picked next preseason to finish in the top half of the conference. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's not only with with the talent they have now, but I think I think with with Jeff Linder and his track record and uh, the trajectory that he has this program on at the end of one year, I'll. I wouldn't be shocked by that at all. But, um, Brandon, we can go ahead and take a break there. And uh, when we come back on the other side, we'll uh, look at the NCAA tournament bracket and uh, talk about some uh, matchups going into this week's games. Sounds like a plan. back into the postcast and uh brandon now we're going to talk about what uh probably 90 percent of america is talking about right now uh if not more snow and that is the <laughs> exactly <laughs> um with probably a little bit of uh attention on the NCAA tournament uh and it's it's good to uh it's good to say that because uh we were obviously robbed of this last year and uh it's good just good to it just feels right i mean it's march and there's ensuing madness and so it just all feels right with the world yeah i'm uh i'm not gonna lie i pulled up the bracket for this uh postcast and it's the first time i've <laughs> looked at it um yeah i have like three different commitments to actually fill one out for so it's it's good um that i'm finally looking at it uh but yeah i you know since i i, I really like basketball and i really like college basketball but since i've uh, stopped covering it, I have really kind of fallen off paying a ton of attention to it, and usually the uh, NCAA tournament is sort of my excuse or reason to dive in and right. see what the heck happened uh, over the last... It's everybody. It's everybody's excuse, right? Yeah, but that didn't happen last year, so now I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> like, for the first time in two years, like, okay, yeah. UNC Greensboro, what? <laughs> what is that? Uh, so yeah, I'm 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 not going to pretend to uh, bring too much insight and knowledge here, but uh, you know that's the nice thing about March is you know you you can pick teams based on, based on the mascots sometimes and have a better bracket than uh, the person who spends hours delving into everybody's uh, net rankings. So it's, uh, yeah, it's no, a yeah, yeah, no, that's what I was going to say too. Is uh, we're gonna we're going to run through, or at least I'm going to run through some uh, first-round upset possibilities that I like. And I'm going to um, write them down. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but to your point, uh, yeah, this, I mean, yeah, I mean, a, a, a five-year-old could fill out, scribble out a pick-out brackets just based on the, or pick teams just based on the colors that they like and mm-hmm. have just as good a chance as, 
as people like me who actually pay close attention to, to this stuff. But uh, Brandon, I, I think it's very weird that uh, you this is the first time we're looking at a bracket. You say with when you have a team in it. I mean, you're a Mizzou guy. Mizzou's in the tournament. What's going on? With I that? mean, well, first off, they've had a, they've had a pretty rough ending to the year after they've fallen from. Tenth uh, in the nation to almost a ten seed, they're ninth, uh, seeded ninth now, and yeah, they've really fallen off. But but also, you know, I I feel uh, justified in not having looked at this bracket until now because almost the first thing I noticed is Missouri's name is way too close to the words Norfolk State, and I do not need to ever see the words Norfolk State again in my life, much less uh, two rows above Mizzou. So yeah, I mean uh, Missouri. Uh, uh, obviously, my my alma mater, and then I covered them for a couple of years. But they play uh, OU in the first round, eight nine matchup, and then most likely get Gonzaga, who's just gonna probably steamroll everyone. So there's not a huge ceiling for the Tigers, I don't think. Although the most Missouri outcome of all would, of course, be for them to beat Oklahoma for Nor- Norfolk State to pull off the second ever sixteen one victory. But then <laughs> Mizzou loses to Norfolk State. That's that's like how they could Mizzou it the most, but yeah, I mean, man, that man, that wound, that wound is still that wound very fresh. Will never. Heal. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were a thirty win team that year. We all thought they should have been a one seed, and then they didn't win a stinking tournament game. So. Oh man, good. Hey man, Frank Frank Hayes, Faith and Hayes. <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, I, I well since they do have uh, are, are probably going to get throttled by Gonzaga, mm-hmm. um, something tells me you pr- you probably knew that anyway. So that's probably maybe I'll give you a, a, a reprieve on uh, not checking out the bracket the whole <laughs> thing because you you probably saw that on Selection Sunday, right? Like, oh damn, we've got to play Gonzaga if we beat Oklahoma. Well, yeah, once you hear done. eight or nine, it's kind of it's you'd almost rather be a ten. <laughs> Yeah, well, more bad news for you, Brandon. I picked Oklahoma to win that game. That's so. probably fair. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's. everybody wants to talk about upsets. I mean, they call it madness for a reason. They use the term Cinderella this time of year for a reason. So let's just, I'm going to go through some of the upset, first-round upsets that I think could happen. And if you are like Brandon and myself and are taking part in a bunch of pools with your uh with coworkers or friends or whatever take you know take this advice for what it's worth take it or leave it because uh, i like i said i could i could be wrong on all these um just like everybody could i guess <laughs> but um so the west region i'll just i'll just go region by region here but the west region i am i like uc santa barbara um over creighton in the 512 game of course the 512 it seems like one of those upsets, at least one, happens every year, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but yeah, that's uh, UC Santa Barbara. I think they've lost four games all year. They've got the, their conference player of the year. Um, and another reason I really like them is that they're also one of the best free throw shooting teams in the country. And hey, you know if you know if if that ends up being a tight game, I'll take the team that can go to the line and knock down free throws uh, more than the team that can't. And, of course, that's always sort of a – you don't really know in the tournament because, I mean, it's – you know, pressure is a totally different thing and when you know your season's on the line. And I've seen plenty of 90% free throw shooters, you know, go to the line and in the tournament and, and clank a couple. Mm. Uh, but uh, I do like that. Uh, Santa Barbara is actually my um, – 
the, the double digits seed that I have advancing to the Sweet 16. Oh, boy. Um, I like them a lot. And then another one in that region is Ohio over Virginia as the 13-4 upset. Ohio, if you – out of Ohio, out of the MAC Conference, if you haven't heard of Jason Preston – Probably need to get familiar. Uh, he is their point guard. He's averaging 16, 7, and 7 for the season. Uh, he's, I think he's – I've heard people talk about how he's working his way into uh, possibly the, the the back half of the first round in terms of the NBA draft. So, he's a guy that's going to get drafted mo- almost certainly uh, this summer. Um, you know, you've got guards that – I like any teams that can t- have players that can take over a game. Uh, again, this – you know – when you're talking about a one-game setting, I mean, I like guys that can do that, and they've got a player that can do that in Virginia, uh, obviously not known for their offense. So, you know, I, I think that's a matchup where Ohio could could outscore them. Um, and then I'm also taking the uh, either the the Wichita-Drake winner, whoever wins that game in the first four over USC in the okay. 11-6 game. Um because also something to keep in mind if you're filling out brackets, um, a team ever since the, the the field expanded to 68 teams, a team in one of the first four games, mm-hmm. at least one of them has advanced to the round of 32 every year. So uh, something to keep in mind. Um, in the Midwest region, I'm not picking this as an upset. But I think Liberty can give Oklahoma State all they want. Liberty's a really good team. Um, the last NCAA tournament back in 2019, I think they beat Mississippi State and advanced. Um, I mean, I think Oklahoma State ultimately wins that game with Cade Cunningham and, and company. But um, that's a really good team at Liberty. I, I, I expect that game to to be close. I mean, barring like Cade Cunningham going off for uh, a 50 spot. Um, I mean, I, I would expect that game to be close. I wouldn't be shocked if Liberty won that game. Um, although I'm, I'm sticking with, uh, the pokes from Oklahoma, um, in the East region, I like Michigan state or the Michigan state UCLA winner, um, over, uh, whoever they're playing. Brandon, who are they, who are they playing? BYU. BYU. Yes. Um, yeah, I like, uh, I, I would feel better about that pick if Michigan State ends up winning that playing game over UCLA because, and I mean, I, look, we know that when you have a whole group of bubble teams uh, to pick from and you're Turner and you're CBS and, you know, you want as many eyes on this NCAA tournament as possible, you know, you're going to pick the, the brand name teams most likely. Um, that's obviously what they did this year. Um, the Michigan State, UCLA, the sort of, the allure of that game is, you know, some storied programs in college basketball history. Um, I get why they why they chose that, but UCLA is not. I mean, I I didn't necessarily based on their resume. I didn't really think they were a tournament team. I think they've got one quadrant one win all season. Hmm. Um, so uh, if 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 UCLA wins that game, I would I actually like BYU to beat them. But if I'm, I'm so I'm hoping Michigan State. <laughs> Wins that playing game over UCLA because I would then I'd pick Michigan State to beat BYU in that eleven six game and then in the South a team I really like is Winthrop uh, as the twelve seed I like them to beat Villanova um, Winthrop's lost one game all year um, and they go eleven deep like they I think they've got eleven guys averaging double digit minutes or close to it like that's you know, you're not really gonna so you're not really gonna wear them down, um, even if you like to play more of an up tempo style like Villanova does. But I, I really like Winthrop to win that game, and 
Um, I would like, I would honestly like Winthrop to go a lot further. I would probably pick them as a Sweet 16 team if they didn't have to play Purdue most likely in the uh, second round. I think Purdue's a bad matchup for them, but um, yeah, I like Winthrop to win a game in that one. And uh, also in that region, I wouldn't be shocked if North Texas gives Purdue a game, but I I don't necessarily think that would happen, or I don't I don't see Purdue losing that game. But um, and then. In that same region, Colgate and Arkansas. That's a very intriguing game. Um, Colgate, That's those are t- two teams that play the, the same style, essentially. Really like to get up and down the floor. Mm-hmm. And I think Colgate's averaging um, – they are averaging nearly 87 points a game. Um, wow. <laughs> love, yeah, love to get up and down. Um, they have the, the Patriot League player of the year. Um, and I, I think – I like Arkansas in that game only because, you know, if you've got two, two teams that play the same style, I'm going to take the team with the better athletes. Arkansas does. they got the better athletes, better players in the SEC. Um, mm. So, I, I still like the Hogs in that game. But I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Colgate gave them a game in that uh, 3-14 matchup. But, um, yeah, those are some of the – and I don't – I mean, like I've got Rutgers beating Clemson um, in the Midwest region at a 7-10. But, like – I don't necessarily consider like 10-7 games and even 11-6 games like upsets. I mean, those teams are pretty evenly matched. I mean, yeah, I only really consider it upset once you start getting to the, the 12 and 13 seeds. Mm. But um, any of those uh, – you agree with any of those? Well, or, the first one, yeah, you, you, went, uh, you went UC Santa Barbara, and I was like, oh, he's he is doing the mascot picks because the Gauchos, <laughs> that's a pretty good one. Um no, I always want to pick Winthrop every tournament for an upset because I can't remember, like 10, 15 years ago, they were a 15 seed against Tennessee, and I was like doing so much research, and everyone was like, yo, Winthrop's, Winthrop's really good, and Tennessee's a little overrated. And I, I picked them as the 15 in my bracket, and they lost on a buzzer beater three to Tennessee, oh, and I've just ever since then been like, ah, oh, Winthrop's <laughs> going to do it. But, yeah, I mean, I... I uh, um. I feel like it, as far as the 6-11 and those, those playing games go as well, it always feels like there's a team in there that no one thinks should make the tournament because, like you said, you know those tend to be the, the power conference teams that barely made it in get that slot, right, the play-in yeah. for 6-11. And then one of those teams inevitably seems to go on a run every year after everyone said how you know garbage they are so uh i think we're gonna see ucla in the final four no but you know it seems it always feels like that happens is i feel like syracuse maybe was a team that uh, maybe not but um yeah yeah syracuse was a syracuse was like a 10 seed that one year to the final four um recently yeah i think you know my strategy this year year and we can we can make our final four picks here in a minute but he's probably just gonna be to go super chalky <laughs> because as a I don't have much time this week to go over it and b I feel like a lot of uh, as we've kind of talked about before the chalk has held strong in the post COVID era with you know there not being all that many upsets I mean you got you know Bama and LeBron winning championships stuff like that so maybe I'll just pick <laughs> yeah. be boring and pick the ones I I feel like I I usually tend to try to be too. Uh, creative and not boring in my brackets because it's, it's no fun to pick chalk all the way. But then right. I just like pick the wrong non-chalk and then you know you double your losses that way. So uh, 
by the way, Davis, I think we're actually, aren't we going to be competing against each other in a pool? So maybe we shouldn't be uh, sharing all of our strategies here, but <laughs> mine will not be a winning one. Yeah, well, I don't I don't think it's going to really make any much of a difference. Man. <laughs> <laughs> um so all right, so what is your what's your final four? Uh you go first. What is it? <laughs> okay. I'm still figuring uh, it out. All right, so as of now, and again, we're recording this on on Wednesday afternoon, so um I, I still have some time to to change some of this before the games start on Thursday, but um right now I've got Gonzaga Baylor Houston and Florida State. Um, now that Houston right now, I I've got them winning the Midwest region, and they're they're a really good team. I mean they're they're one of the more complete teams I think in this whole field. They're a two seed. They've lost three games all year. They're giving up less than fifty eight points a game and scoring nearly seventy eight. So again, one one of the more complete teams that you're going to find in this bracket. Um, but I. I'm I'm probably going to change that um, pick to Illinois in terms of which team I think is going to win the Midwest. Now, as of now, I've got, actually got Oklahoma State beating Illinois in the Sweet 16. Um, and that's more just off recency bias just because Oklahoma State's been, play, been playing really well lately. Cade Cunningham has been um, a stud for them, as you would expect, particularly here down the stretch. Uh, I mean, they beat Baylor in the Big 12 tournament. Um, so that's sort of me hop, um, hopping on the, the train. But as I look at it now, I mean, Illinois is so good, man. I mean, with Io DeSumo and, and Kofi Coburn, um, I think I'll probably end up changing that pick to Illinois just because I think they're probably the most most complete team in that bracket as much as, as, much as I do like Houston in, in terms of um, how well-rounded they are. And I still wouldn't be. I mean, I'll probably, I probably should just stick with it because <laughs> um, I'll probably, I'll end up kicking myself if Houston ends up dope, um, pulling the upset and, and uh, winning that region. But um, yeah, so I, I'll probably go Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, Florida State once it's all said and done. But yeah, Florida State would be um, the only one seed uh, if I end up going with Illinois in the Midwest region. Um, there, Florida State would be the only. Uh, non one seed that I would have in the final four. But um, I, I, a big part of that is because honestly, man, I, I look at the East region, um, which uh, Michigan is the one seed in that region. And I, I, I think LSU ends up, I've got LSU beating Michigan in the second round. I think LSU mm-hmm. is one of the most dangerous eight seeds I've ever seen in the tournament. Um, I mean, they played, they were one of the better teams. And I think they finished top three or four in the SEC this year. They played Alabama to a one-possession game in the SEC Tournament Championship last week. Uh, and Michigan is without uh, its best player and Isaiah Livers, uh, who's out with a foot injury, um, at least for the first part of the tournament. I've seen reports where he's – if they advance, he's going to try to come back in the latter part of the tournament and play with them. But um, if, L- L- if LSU can defend, that's the thing with them. They're so Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, because, I mean, they can, they can drop 90 on anybody, but they may, they're just as likely to get up 95 and lose. So it all depends on how they show up on the, on the defensive end of the floor, but I, I'm, I'm sticking with that pick. So uh, that they're, they're the only, they're the only one seed, um, that I'll probably end up having losing, um, before the final four. So, mm-hmm. um, and that sort of clears the, and in terms of my bracket, I've got Florida state, uh, 
beating LSU and then uh, beating Alabama in the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four. I like it. Um, yeah, I'll also give the caveat that um, just because I'm saying this on the record here doesn't mean that's what I'm going to put in my bracket. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and go with Illinois out of the Midwest, um, Alabama out of the East. I'm going to go okay. out of the South. I'm going to go Arkansas. And out of the West, I'm going to go Missouri because I decided to only <laughs> pick teams that I've watched this year. Let's and, go. And there's like six of them. <laughs> it's basically teams Missouri has played and Missouri and Wisconsin. So, uh, okay. there well, you go. To be, to be, to, well, just to be honest with you, Brandon, uh, Missouri is really the only far-fetched one in that. I mean, I, there's no way Missouri gets there. But I wouldn't be shocked if any of the other three that you name end up in the Final Four. But to, to, uh, to uh, counterpoint, Missouri is apparently only good at playing teams they shouldn't beat. They have, like, five, you know, like, top ten wins this year or whatever, and then they just can't beat anyone else. So maybe maybe uh, Mizzou-Gonzaga is a better matchup than you think. Yeah, no. I don't know. I'll figure out my actual bracket later, but I figured I'd pick teams that I've actually seen play this, this year. And, by the way, of yeah. those, uh, besides Arkansas, Mizzou beat all of them. So. Well, I'll tell you what, Brandon. If, if Missouri ends up uh, beating Gonzaga in the second round and making a run to the Final Four, then you, I'll just let you talk the entire uh, <laughs> podcast on you know, next week's podcast. I'll just give you the floor for the whole 40, 45 minutes. Do they have to uh, make it to the Final Four or just beat Gonzaga? Make it to the Final Four. Oh, I mean, you picked them okay. in your Final okay. Four, right? So. Uh, I did do that on air, on the record, <laughs> uh, on live podcast. There, yeah, this, this very official Final Four pick <laughs> you're making. Um, yeah, I, I, who knows what I'll, like I said, I'll probably just pick all the ones later today, <laughs> but, um, uh, I don't think Missouri has won a tournament game since, uh, before I went to school there. So they made the elite eight and lost to UConn back in the Hashim to beat era. And that might, no, I don't, I think they won one the next year, but yeah, anyway, it's not going to happen, <laughs> but the biggest, the biggest win for Wyoming fans, if they're still listening in this podcast, is uh, CSU was one of the first four out, right? Isn't that uh, yes. the the icing on the cake to a pretty decent march for the Pokes? Yeah, they were uh, they were listed as one of the the standby teams this year, which, in other words, is the the yeah, the first four out because there was you know if any teams had COVID issues before they got to Indianapolis, they had to let the NCAA know, and then there was a pecking order of teams that. Uh, would replace them if that happened, mm-hmm. and it was Louisville. Louisville, Louisville was actually the first. first yeah. yeah, they were the first team out of the tournament, and then Colorado State was second. But um, that's not happening. Apparently, yeah, um, no, no teams notified the NCAA that they wouldn't have enough players to play. So the sixty-eight teams that mm-hmm. were announced on Sunday is going to be the sixty-eight teams that actually ends up playing. So yeah, um, yeah. And speaking of Mountain West, I guess we should mention that. Uh, they ended up getting two teams in, which mm-hmm. we knew San Diego State was going to get in. And then Utah State um, avoided the playing game, which was sort of shocking because you had Joe Lenardi and, and some of those guys, uh, you know, the quote-unquote experts, uh, talking about how – I think uh, late as of late Saturday night, Lenardi had Utah State as his last team in the field. Hmm. Uh, and then they end up – uh, they're they're an eleven seed, yeah. Um, but they end up avoiding the uh, the first four altogether, and so now they're they're going to 
taking on Texas Tech, and I don't. I think their tournament run is going to be a short one. Yeah. I think the I think Texas Tech's going to bounce them in the first round. But I, I think I do think San Diego State's going to beat Syracuse, and then uh, probably lose to West Virginia. At least that's what I have in in my bracket. But I wouldn't be shocked to see the the Aztecs make a Sweet Sixteen run. Yeah. Was there any surprise on your end to see you know CSU and Boise fall short, or was that pretty much how you saw it going? Um, pretty much how I saw it going. I mean, Boise wasn't really yeah. even in the picture. I mean, once they lost their first round game to uh, to Nevada in the Mount West tournament, they were done because right. I mean they they had already lost to Nevada twice during the regular season. They lost to Fresno State as we mentioned last week in that that makeup game the last week of the regular season. So they so that was their fourth straight loss. So yeah. at that point, I knew they were out. So it was really a matter of. Uh, is is either Utah State or Colorado State or both going to get in? And then uh, Colorado State and Utah State end up playing uh, what seemed like a virtual playing game into the NCAA tournament, the Mount West tournament. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what ended up happening. And uh, you know they lost to Utah State in the uh, Mountain West semifinals, I believe it was. So at that point, it was going to be it was going to be rough. It really, for the bubble teams in the Mount West, it was really I think it was a case going into the Mount West tournament of. You know, whichever team lasts the longest is probably going to get that. It's probably going to get that spot in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, my understanding is, correct me if I'm wrong, that a team to uh, fall out of the tournament would need fewer than five eligible players. Is that right for right, for calling right. in the uh, you know the next four? Or so I, I don't think too many teams were going to do that. Um, a, that's a lot of a lot of COVID you'd have to have on your team. But B, I think even if you only had five players. A lot of teams would still want to give it a shot. Yeah. All right, Brandon, we've uh, we've been at this a while. Quickly, who do, who do you have winning it? Uh, Gonzaga. Right. <laughs> okay, so Not obviously my final four, but... You, yeah. <laughs> Can't believe you uh, switched your pick from Missouri to Gonzaga. Well, they get a bye from yeah. the uh, Sweet 16 to the national semifinals. It's a... Okay. Well, I've, uh, I've, actually, I've got Baylor winning it all. Um, yeah, I, I've got Gonzaga... Gonzaga... Gonzaga and Baylor meeting in the championship game, which was a game that uh, we were supposed to get as college basketball fans earlier this year. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to play in the non-conference, but obviously COVID messed that up. But I think we ultimately end up getting that matchup in the championship. And I, Baylor, man, they, the only thing that gives me pause about it is they haven't they had a COVID pause late in the season, and since they've come back, they haven't exactly looked the same. But they've got, you know, guard play wins in March. And mm-hmm. they've got the best three-headed backcourt uh, monster, I think, that there is in basketball, in college basketball, and Macy Oteague, um, um, Jared Butler, and Davion Mitchell. I mean, if they're, if they're on, man, they, they can beat anybody in the country. So I, I've, I've sort of leaned Baylor all season. I've liked them all year, so can't go against them now. Uh, but uh, Brandon, we go ahead and wrap it up there. Um, be sure to stay locked into trib.com and pokesauthority.com for all of our coverage. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at pokesauthority. You follow me on Twitter at Davis E. Potter. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at bfoster91. This podcast is on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Omni. So be sure to subscribe, download it, give us that five-star rating. Uh, Brandon, I appreciate you joining me on here as always. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again next week.